Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. It's Carol Baskin, and you are listening to Fascination Street. I believe that everybody has a story, and I'm fascinated to hear them. So come with me as we take a walk down Fascination Street. Welcome back, Streetwalkers. This episode is with Andy Harris. Andy Harris is a radio guy who does stuff for radio stations all across the country. Also, he is the host or co-host of three or four or five or 11 different podcasts. So we talk about some of those things. We talk about why he got into improv, what he expected out of improv, and did he get it? He also tells a wonderful story about a surprise improv sketch comedy show where he got to perform with one of the biggest legendary names in comedy and improv. That's a fun story. We talk a little bit about podcasting and what has happened to it in the last couple of years with some of the more famous people dipping their toes into podcasting. And this is my conversation with radio dude, improv dude, and podcaster, Andy Harris. Welcome to Fascination Street Podcast, Andy Harris. How are you doing today, man? Hey, I'm fantastic. How about you? I cannot complain. First of all, I would just like to point out that you were not drinking out of your own coffee cup. No, I'm not. I'm drinking out of the Mrs. Coffee The Mrs. Coffee Cup. It was the only one that was clean. Word. Listeners, when we say the Mrs., we're talking about, I won't say her name, but she was a guest on my show April 15th, 2018, she was a guest. She was super kind to do it for me. And so are you, my friend. Thank you oh. for joining me, Andy. Oh, yes. My pleasure. My pleasure. I have heard a lot about you. Oh, really? I have listened to a lot about you on various different interviews and things. Mm. And also, I listened to a bunch of your 
podcasts of your own. Oh, yeah. And we're going to get to that in a bit, but good God, man, pick a lane. You got like 30 different podcasts out there. You're a psycho. Yeah, and I, I, I know. I kind of land on something and then I, after a few weeks, get bored with it and move on to the next thing. And... All right. Are you listening to that, the missus? <laughs> so, Andy, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'd like to find out where people are uh, from, man. Where were you born and raised? Where'd you grow up? Born and raised in St. Paul, Minnesota. I uh, lived there until I was a sophomore in high school and then moved to North Carolina, about an hour outside of Charlotte. And then uh, in 2006, moved to Los Angeles. Okay. Why were you, why, why Minneapolis? I'm assuming that's where your parents were, but why the move from Minnesota to North Carolina? Oh, because my parents split up and then I moved to North Carolina. So they split up when you were in high school? Yeah. How rude. Don't they know that that is the worst time for you? <laughs> it is fine. I mean, it's it's all good. Their prerogative, I suppose. I suppose, or at least they thought so at the time. So coming from a divorced parent situation as well, I have one question for you. Andy, what did you do to make them get divorced? Well, yeah, it was all my fault. I mean, I was just a really difficult child and they couldn't take another second of it. I hear you. Yeah, it was uh, all my fault. It generally is. Kids don't think it is, and parents tell them it's not, but almost exclusively, it's the fault <laughs> of the child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> okay, so, Andy Harris. Yes. Let me start by saying, fuck Bob Costas. Am I right? Bob Costas? What did he do? I don't know, but why do you dislike Bob Costas? I have a deep passion for Bob Costas. No, you do not. Remember when he got pink eye uh, during the Olympics? That was the best part of the Olympics that year. Yeah, like like take the week off. Take your eye drops and then come back. I mean, come on. Yeah, put on some sunglasses. Years of broadcasting, and that's the only thing I think about now when I think of Bob Costas. Isn't that amazing? I know a few things about you. Wait, hold on. First, do, do you really have an axe to grind with Bob Costas? No, you do. Me? Yep. Why? I don't know. That's why I was asking you. Why do you dislike Bob Costas? It's the pink eye. It's because of the pink eye. It was stated on a different, shall we say, Guinness Book of World Record holding podcast <laughs> that you do not like Bob Costas. Bob Costas. Yeah, I don't. I don't. If that's the case, then it was probably fleeting. Clearly. He's all right. You know, I, I have a problem with anybody who allows themselves to get pink eye. <laughs> so I get that um, you know, I mean, watch your hands, for God's sake. Boy, you must have hated everybody during COVID. COVID really was one of my favorite times in U.S. history. Oh, tell me more about that. I loved it. I mean, first of all, the kids weren't in in-person school. And I know a lot of parents were upset about that, but I loved it. I loved rolling out of bed at, you know, five minutes before school started. And I love not having to do anything or go anywhere, having an excuse to not go anywhere. I loved it. I loved having a reason not to, you know, get up and get dressed and go to a restaurant and eat at a restaurant and be, you know, to talk to people. I loved it, but to each their own, I suppose. Well, let me first thank you for getting dressed today. I appreciate that. <laughs> the top half. Oh, that's all that matters. I know that you love Cinnamon Life cereal. I do. I know. What a weird random. Why do I know that? That's just weird. Oh, and I think that you go to sleep watching Dateline. I do. Well, you know, it's kind of usually in phases, like stretches, you know, for 
three months at a time, I'll go to sleep rewatching The Sopranos. And that right now, uh, we're in the middle of Breaking Bad again, a rewatch of Breaking Bad, just because Better Call Saul just ended. And I figured, why not? But yes, that's true. Uh, whenever we're in between shows to rewatch and binge watch, Dateline is always the go to. That's not weird. You know, there are a lot of murder infused nightmares that happen as a result. But uh, sleep with one eye open, my friend. I mean, I've been doing that ever since I was uh, responsible for my parents' divorce. <laughs> so, what the hell is Beach Body or real Beach Body? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a workout program that. I've been doing on and off for, you know, 15 years or so. It's just the P90X workout. And every once in a while, I'll get on kicks where I'm like, okay, I'm way out of shape and I've been eating too much fast food. And so I need to start getting on some kind of program and exercising again. In 2020, I did a whole year of no sugar or grains, thanks to the lovely Vinnie Porterich. He got me on on that. And like, I kind of get on these stretches of kind of going overboard. Overcorrecting, I guess we'll say. Love it. Vinny is a five-time guest of my show. Oh, really? Yeah. Thanks for shouting out that dude. Oh, yeah. No, he's great. Every once in a while, I'll send him uh, pictures of my progress, shirtless pictures of my progress, and I know he loves Really them. thought you were going to say privates. No, well, the, you know, that too, but that's... Uh, that's what I do. Yeah. I blur out just my face. But when I send him pictures of my privates, it's not shirtless, so my privates are wearing a shirt. Oh, yeah, I see. Yeah, and a little bow tie. Yeah, a little bow tie. You, for some strange reason, got into radio right after it was fun to be in radio. <laughs> what drew you to radio? Oh, boy, this was uh, this would have been back in college. I took an involuntary leave of absence from college. I kind of bombed out of college. So what it sounds like. And I uh, decided to go to a broadcasting school in that area. And really, the idea was to do, you know, TV or news or something like that or anything with media. I was kind of like wandering career wise and, you know, not really knowing what I was going to do. And I went to this broadcasting school, the Carolina School of Broadcasting in Charlotte. And a guy came in and started teaching us editing, audio editing. And he kind of encouraged me to get into radio. Because of your voice or because he was Bob Costas? Yeah, because of our mutual disdain for Bob Costas. He he was a radio guy. He was like he he worked at a radio station there and in the area and uh for whatever reason he just encouraged me to do it. Not really based on anything other than I seemed to be interested in editing. So he got me an internship. Uh, or, I'm sorry, the school got me an internship at a radio station in Charlotte and I uh kind of taught myself editing and different voice acting techniques. And then they offered me a part-time job. And then uh, they offered me a full-time job doing production and like, you know, the stuff between songs and radio stations. That's like, you know, Z100, like that, that kind of stuff. Do they call those interstitials? Yeah, promos and sweepers and stuff. So my job was to produce those for two of the radio stations in the cluster in Charlotte. And it became my career. After a while, being in Charlotte, I mean, I had quite a few jobs in Charlotte. I mean, I was also the music director for uh, the Charlotte Hornets, the NBA team. Like, it was my job to play all the music in the arena and do all the sounds like the dan 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 Wait, I thought they only played that song at the Spurs games. What? <laughs> yeah. No, it's boilerplate. It's, uh, it's a staple. You know, I, I had a lot of 
media, radio type jobs in the area in Charlotte. And then I just started sending out demos and got a job out here in Los Angeles. When you were in control of the music, let's just say at the NBA game uh, stadium, did you ever play music that was meant specifically to mess with a player on the other team? Yes, you must already know this. I don't. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I used to do that all the time. Whenever Shaq would miss a free throw, I would play the audio of him yelling, I am Kazam. During the time, Shaq was like the big time player. I mean, this this was at the beginning of LeBron's career. But I seem to remember doing a lot of stuff to mess with Shaq. I used to play What's Up Doc, Can We Rock from Foo Schnickens, the Shaq Fu album, whenever they'd come out. (laughs) Yeah, I used to do that all the time. And, you know, all the players had specific stuff that they wanted played. It was a fun, fun gig. I did that for all of the sports teams in Charlotte, actually, except for the Panthers football team. Got you. Pretty busy during that time. The reason I asked is because here in San Antonio, back when Tony Parker was playing, Uh it was probably the first third of his career. He put out a rap album. Ah, It was probably 90% French. Right. And... It was pretty good. I bought it. and It's still in my truck. I listen to it often. But whenever he was going to the free throw line or whatever in, in various stadiums around the country, they would just start playing some of his music. Right. It always made me laugh, like every yeah. single time. I think it made him laugh sometimes, too. But I think after a while, it got, it got annoying. <laughs> yeah, they, they have really specific rules, too, for that sort of thing. There's certain times when you can play stuff and certain times when you're not allowed to play anything. And there's there's a lot going on behind the scenes that you don't really realize when you go to a game. That sounds crazy. Yeah. So eventually your radio career led you to Los Angeles. Yeah. How? Why? Because I'm good, man. No, I'm serious. Stop messing around. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I got a job out here kind of doing the same sort of thing I was doing in Charlotte, doing promos and, you know, production. And um, and then I moved on to a different sort of production content creation nationwide for radio stations everywhere. I produce a, a couple of syndicated countdown shows and produce and voice content for morning shows. And So you said produce, not produced. Am I to assume this is something you're still doing? Yeah. that's So that's your day job? Yeah. You know, and I have, like you said, I have a few podcasts that I work on and... Boy, do you. Some behind the scenes, some hosting. You mean there's even more podcasts than the ones I know about? Yeah, I'm a, I got a lot going on, surprisingly. Have I already said pick a lane? Jeez, dude. Yeah, don't don't let my lack of uh, fame fool you. I have, a, I, I have <laughs> things going on behind the scenes. <laughs> I think somewhere around the time that you got to Los Angeles, you started improv classes, right? Yeah. 2008-ish, I started doing improv and sketch writing classes at Upright Citizens Brigade in LA. And I went through all of the improv classes, all of the sketch classes. Now, I think at its height, or at my height of doing shows, I was maybe doing three or four a week. For a while, I was a regular writer on a sketch show at Iowa West, like a news, a weekly topical news sketch show, kind of an SNL theme kind of show called Top Story Weekly that I was on the cast and a writer for that show for a while. Over the years, I've been pretty immersed in that world. 
Not so much lately. I mean, up until the new podcast with Aristotle started, I'd kind of been a little bit out of the loop the past five, six years. As far as improv? Yeah. Okay. Listeners, just to go back, when he said he mentioned one of the places he was at was IOS, that stands for Improv Olympic, and it's out of business now. I just want to clear that up for people who don't live in LA. Right. I'm not as plugged in as I used to be, but maybe there's a version of it in Chicago, or maybe that closed down too. I, I really don't know. I haven't really been keeping track of it. Sure. I, I just know there aren't very many games in town anymore, especially since COVID. So do you think a lot of them obviously died of COVID, but then a lot of them didn't come back? I don't mean the people. I mean the programs. Like they just didn't come back? Or what do you think happened? You know, I think UCB is coming back slowly but surely. There, there are a couple other theaters. I think Second City is still kicking. And I think specifically iOS, that's one that's like... That died long before COVID though, right? I think so. The LA theater, yes. But I think the Chicago theater might have stuck around a little bit longer, but I'm not sure. I'd have to Google it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Streetwalkers. Here's a word from our sponsors. Exorcism. There's stages of demonic attack. She was perhaps the most severe. It was nightmarish. Graphology. I can look at somebody's handwriting and I can analyze their character. Private wrestling he wanted me to run over his penis with my car every week on profoundly pointless we explore something new listen to profoundly pointless wherever you listen to podcasts brain fog insomnia moodiness weight gain maybe you think they're just part of getting older but many health understands that for women over 40 they can all connect to menopause it's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience not just hot flashes MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Let's get back into it. Let's talk about podcasting. When and why did you get into podcasting? Some version of it, I suppose, when it first started kind of blowing up, like podcasting in general. Uh, Just because, you know, working in radio, just the nature of it is to kind of expand into podcasting anyway, because it's all kind of the same world in a way. I mean, podcasting, especially with radio companies having control of podcast platforms and like everything kind of gets meshed together. 
and why. I mean, I, just because uh, it, it kind of seemed like a, a natural, kind of like a side hustle, like side creative uh, side gig to have podcasting in general. There's more independence. There's more creative independence. My hobby is kind of creating content and audio and producing stuff. And so it's kind of a something fun to do on the side. And that's what it started off as. Okay. Speaking of your desire to create fun and interesting audio podcast things, let's talk about Andy Harris, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was kind of born of COVID. Everybody, Andy Harris, everybody, is a podcast starring Andy Harris. Yes. Where he does everything. He does all the voices. Yeah. He does all the commercials. He does all the producing. He does all the sketch. He does everything, everybody. Yeah. There was only eight episodes so far. Yes. This would have been, you know, at the beginning of COVID, like right before COVID. And, I, you know, I, I kind of had a, an idea to just kind of showcase myself. I mean, it was really just kind of a vanity project. It's kind of what I do all day, every day anyway. So I kind of decided, hey, why don't I just crack the mic and do some bits and just voice them all and just put them all together and just put it out as a podcast and see if anybody cares about it. Did they? And yeah, some people did. A lot of people didn't, but it was still fun to try out. And then COVID happened and I was like, oh, now I've got all this extra free time. I'm kind of cultivated it a little bit. But uh, then I kind of moved on to the next thing. Like I said, I, <laughs> I do sometimes. And uh, that kind of went on the back burner. It was fun just because it was kind of easy. <laughs> easy? Are you out of your mind? It sounds hard as shit. It sounds like each episode is probably 30 minutes, but it sounds like it took you four days to put together. Yeah, no, it do it doesn't. You know, I I've been editing audio in that capacity for almost 20 years. So the amount of stuff that I churn out every day is, is pretty jaw-dropping. <laughs> it, it didn't take as long as it sounds like it does. Or maybe it did. What, what am I doing? Yeah, what Why am you, I saying? Yes, what are yeah, you doing? Yeah, every episode took forever and it, hours and hours, days of, of sweat. Okay, so there was eight episodes of that show so far. And yes, if I understand so correctly, each episode was based on a one-word suggestion from your at the time fiance and i think at the time her name was gina and her her name probably still is gina yeah was that right it was based on a one work suggestion from her i basically just wanted to do a, a one person improv show and record it and then edit it as if it was not improvised the first couple episodes some of the stuff was written and i just you know i, I would go back and revise stuff but yeah, the the last handful, five or six episodes, I guess, yeah, they were all based on it was just like an improv show. I mean, the whole show was based on, I, I would essentially do a Herald, which is a form of improv by myself as all the characters, which I've actually done on stage before. So it wasn't daunting or anything. But yeah, I would just kind of get a one word suggestion from my wife as, as she was walking out the door or in the next room. And then I'd close the door and I would just try to do a whole show by myself and then cut it up. She was actually on mic one time during that eight episodes. She said one word. Do you know what that one word was? I don't know. Was it strawberry? Probably. It was one of the last 
Was that what it was? Why did you say I don't know? And then tell me the answer. Yes, it was Strawberry. You weirdo. Was it Strawberry? Okay, yeah. I, I just know that one of the titles of the shows was one of the suggestions. So then I guess it wasn't just me that did the, uh, the whole show. I guess I should give her a credit. Andy Harris, everybody. And one word from Gina. Yes, is, that's right. Is the name when you started back. That's how it's going. Then I'd have to change all of the information and the metadata on iTunes and all this. Oh, so, now it sounds like a lot of work. Tell me about Let's Be Better Friends, which was a different podcast you did. Yeah, that was 100% from COVID. That was when everybody was kind of locked down and feeling secluded, myself included. I was going through my Facebook feed, my friends, and I was like, I don't really know any of these people. I was like, you know what? Why don't I change that? And I started a podcast called Let's Be Better Friends, where I just pick random people on my in my Facebook, <laughs> in my Facebook friends. And I interview them as if we are just meeting. And uh, I think maybe I did four of those. And then COVID kind of <laughs> wrapped up a little bit and uh, I moved on to the next thing. You are a moving on to the next thing kind of a guy. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. If things wouldn't j- keep coming up, then I wouldn't have that problem. Oh, something shiny. Ooh, like a squirrel. Yeah, yeah. So it's every it's everything else's fault, not mine. <laughs> you only take the blame for your parents' divorce. Everything else is everybody else's yeah. fault. Right. You know, I'm kind of impatient. You know, I already have a job, so it's like a side project doesn't like become super popular right away. I kind of am like, eh, well, let's move on to the next thing. You know, sometimes I just I kind of lose interest and I kind of fall back on like, I never signed a contract to do a million episodes of, of uh, Let's Be Better Friends. So why, uh, maybe that's not a good quality to have creatively, but you know, that's where I'm at. If you were an executive at NBC, Seinfeld would never have gotten made. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> well, season two would have never gotten made. Tell me your Robin Williams story. Oh, wow. Okay. This would have been when I was doing improv at UCB. When I was taking the classes, this would have been in 2010, maybe. I was in an improv group with seven other people, mostly people from class. Aristotle, my co-host for This American Laugh, actually, was coincidentally in that group with me. And we were doing a show at UCB. It was called Let's Do This. Um, It was a weekly Friday show where they would have, uh, the hosts would have, you know, like practice groups and like class groups, like people just trying to get some stage time. They would let them go up on stage and do 20 minutes. And this group that I was in were backstage ready to go up. And Robin Williams comes backstage because he, he notoriously would hang around that, that theater and other theaters sometimes. And uh, he came backstage and he was like, Oh, would, would, would you mind if I went on stage with you guys? To all seven of you or eight of you or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I think maybe one of the guys was out and he, hates himself for that because he missed <laughs> he missed the opportunity and uh we were like oh yeah sure i mean fine if you want to join us fine i mean i guess i guess it's okay you're all whatever sure i i could go either way whatever yeah. you feel like so they introduce us you know they bring us up on stage and robin williams comes out with us and everybody i had a friend in town visiting a high school friend of, of mine from north carolina he was in town visiting his sister because she lived here too. He happened to come to the show and he's in the front row, just like 
Andy, is this what it's like every time you do a show? I hope you said yes. Yeah. So uh, Robin Williams came out on stage with us and did 20, 30 minutes with us. And we were like the coolest people on the scene after this happened. Like everybody, like it became the stuff of legend that Robin Williams came out with, with us as if we were, we were anybody. I mean, he was super, super great. Like, super wasn't like, you know, we, we've thought like, oh, Robin Williams is going to steamroll everybody and it's just going to be the Robin Williams show. But it wasn't that at all. He was a very giving performer and it was great. Afterwards, we went backstage and uh, he hung out with us backstage for like a half hour and talked comedy. And then afterwards, we all went outside the theater and talked to him some more for like an hour. Like he, he just hung out sipping his coffee and just talking to to us and we it was amazing i've heard that he was a very very giving performer yeah he wasn't the steal the spotlight kind of a guy he was the throw you the ball kind of a guy yeah no it was great i mean and you know we're all starting out and we're all fighting we felt lucky just to get stage time uh you know at this show and like it was a really kind thing for him to do during that 20 30 minutes on stage he really made us feel like we were all equals even even though we were not at all i mean like you know <laughs> we weren't amazing performers by any stretch did you learn anything from him that night to be honest me personally I, not really because it was really just kind of a blur i mean like it took a while to kind of get out of my head and realize that like and stop thinking about, oh, my God, this is Robin Williams up on stage with me. And I'm in, in front of my friend from high school. I mean, everybody's going to think we're so awesome. Oh, this is great. Oh, uh, uh, do, I, do I talk to him? What do I say? You know, so it maybe, I mean, I, th I think it taught me something about not feeling like you're too good for anybody. That everybody's kind of doing their thing and trying and to kind of go into anything with that sort of attitude. Kind of like it's not about you. It's about the thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Did your improv troupe have a name like the Knuckleheads or the Buckle Bunnies or anything like that? I don't remember what it was. It probably, you know what? We're going to say Buckle Bunnies. <laughs> All right, cool. So when they introduced you guys and Robin came out, did they say this is the Buckle Bunnies and Robin Williams, or did they just say this is the Buckle Bunnies? No, they just said this is the Buckle Bunnies or whatever, and he came out, and everybody was just kind of like, whoa, what the? This dude's one of the Buckle Bunnies? Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty wild. I mean, it was uh, pretty crazy. We're going to bounce around a little bit, uh, like we have been already. But word on the street mm -hmm. is that there is a bidet in your home and you yeah. won't use it because fill in the blank. Uh, I don't think I deserve it. I don't think I deserve that sort of fancy luxury and six star treatment. No, I, I just we have two bathrooms, so I don't really... <laughs> I only use my own. It does seem a little too decadent to spoil yourself with such a thing. Word on the street said that it's because, quote, you're afraid it's going to be too delightful. Yeah, I think that I have said that. I think that I'll enjoy it too much and I'll just spend all my time in the bathroom. <laughs> More so than usual. <laughs> was that bidet there when you got the house or did you guys install it? No, no, I, it was recent. Maybe the last six months or so okay and when you guys were installing that was your kid like why is there a water fountain in the bathroom 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he doesn't use it either, but that's just, I think maybe he has the same reasons. Maybe he also doesn't think that he's, he's lived enough life to earn such a, such a magical experience. Well, I'm with both of you. And also this is America, damn it. That's not how we roll. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I go into a building and there's a bidet or a bathroom and there's a bidet, I'm like, huh, this too unusual and something is this building up to code? <laughs> you have a podcast which is currently on somewhat of a hiatus called this american laugh right it is based on the npr podcast this american life ish right it's a parody of it's modeled after should i say right a it is hilarious i highly recommend everybody go check it out can you tell everybody what is it about? Like, what's your elevator pitch about this podcast? Uh, yeah, it's just an improvised parody of This American Life. And my co-host, Aristotle, plays a uh, heightened parody version of Ira Glass, the host of This American Life. Every week, we have a different comedian guest who is our special contributor for the week. In three acts, we improvise basically a documentary parody with our guest. Me and Ari do all of the voices along with whoever the guest is that week. Streetwalkers, he has made mention several times of Ari or Aristotle, but he's never once said his last name. Yeah, I'm sorry. Ar Aristotle Atari, he's uh, on SNL. He was in that improv group with Robin Williams. The Buckle Bunnies. <laughs> We've uh, been doing improv together for, you know, 12 years. For a while, oh. we had a, a two-man improv show called Aristotle. <laughs> we used to do shows in theaters around town. So we, we've been working together for a while. Um, and a uh, couple years ago, we uh, concocted this idea to parody This American Life. Really, the idea was just kind of based on his impression of Ira Glass. <laughs> And we just kind of built it around that. Hey, Streetwalkers. Here's a word from our sponsors. So I ran into previous guest of this show, Chris Gronkowski, the other day, and it went a little something like this. Hey, Steve. Hey, Chris. Hey, you know what sucks? When I get done with my workout at the gym, my protein shake's not cold anymore, man. It's room temperature. <laughs> Weird. I haven't run into you at the gym lately. Busted. Okay, truth be told, I don't work out. But I do get thirsty after a long day of podcasting. I just can't seem to keep my cocktails cold. You should use an ice shaker. What's an ice shaker? The ice shaker is a double wall, vacuum insulated, stainless steel shaker bottle with a patented twist and agitator that breaks up the protein powders. So you're saying I should switch to an ice shaker, take out the agitator so I can fit more ice in the cup and it'll stay cold longer? Steve, you don't need more ice. The ice shaker is third-party tested and verified to keep your drink cold for 30-plus hours. Chris, you're a genius. I'll still remove the patented screw and agitator and just add more booze. I guess technically you could, but if you actually use the ice shaker as a protein drink cup, the agitator breaks up the powder and doesn't bounce around like you're shaking a paint can. Why are we still talking? Let's party. Gronk style! 
That's right, Streetwalkers. Ice Shaker is made from kitchen-grade stainless steel so it doesn't smell all funky after you use it a couple of times like those cheap plastic ones. When I'm out and about doing interviews or partying Gronk style, I use the Fascination Street Podcast Edition 26-ounce Flex Ice Shaker Cup and it keeps my drink cold until the sun comes up. You saw Ice Shaker on Shark Tank. All five sharks made an offer with Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez closing the deal. Now you can get a deal too. Order your own 26-ounce Flex Cup right now at IceShaker.com and use the promo code FSP for $5 off your first order. Once again, that's IceShaker.com, promo code FSP, as in Fascination Street Pod, for $5 off your first order. That's IceShaker.com, promo code FSP. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Let's get back into it. Okay, are you familiar with what podcasters call the bastardization of podcasting? No, what, what is what is this? Okay, so it is where famous people and or networks get into podcasting when it was really supposed to just be for the independent peoples. Completely unrelated. Tell me how you came to pitch a podcast to Will Ferrell's podcast network. That was mostly Ari. He's done a lot of stand-up and he's been involved in that world more so than I have. I've been, you know, mostly radio and broadcasting. And so it was just kind of through connections that he had. And uh, we had a few different ideas and that was the one that they liked. This American Laugh? Yeah. Before I heard that story, I didn't even know that pitching a podcast to a network was a thing. I mean, it makes perfect sense now that Hollywood and like you said earlier, you know, radio stations and networks and things have gotten into podcasting. It makes yeah. perfect sense that there would be pitches. It was just a foreign concept to me. Uh, it blew me away. Right. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, it doesn't really seem unusual. It, it didn't seem unusual to me just because I come from the world of broadcasting and radio. And so like, I've always kind of considered podcasting to be like an arm of broadcasting in a way mm -hmm. as opposed to its own which could be totally wrong I'm, I'm sure i'm in the minority of people who think of it this way well that's one of the beautiful things about podcasting and the podcast community and podcast space is that it's whatever you want it to be so there's no wrong way to podcast and so there's no wrong way to look at podcasting or right. to um, ascribe it to you know, it being only a certain thing like I did, 
I just said there's no way, but I, I was wrong. <laughs> My way was wrong. I was like, you know, this is just for little nobodies, just little pirate ships. And COVID really kind of messed it up for the independent podcaster, I think, because all of these creative people who have this insatiable itch to scratch with creativity like you and yeah. actors and musicians. Let's just take the ladies from the office, for example, right? Right. COVID happened. They can't work. They're just sitting at home with the same internet we all have. Right. And they were like, hey, you know what? Let's do a podcast based on the office. We know all that stuff. Let's talk about that. And it's hugely popular. And so, right. I mean, it wasn't just them, but, you know, all of these famous people got into podcasting and sort of, this is going to sound weird, but they're kind of sucking out of the big straw. Okay. Right. That's the way smaller podcasters that I have spoken with feel about big names getting into podcasting, almost like it's unfair. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you know, my, my opinion about that probably isn't as valid just because I've always come from the school of thought. What's a way that I can create something for an audience? And that's it. Yes. The, the Andy Harris, everybody podcast, for example, was a, definitely a vanity project. You know, I put my own name in it, you know, so it's like, you know, it, it was kind of a way to just get something out there. But also, it was to create something for an audience to consume. I think that whenever something is branded in a way where it's obvious that it's just to boost a person's brand or like a money grab, you know, I, I can see how that would be annoying and a problem. At the beginning of that, you started by saying that your opinion on that subject was probably not valid. I disagree. I, it's just as valid as anybody else's. And I apologize if it feels like I put you on the hot seat. I, I didn't mean to in any way. No, I don't feel like that at all. Oh, well, I should try harder. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, when the big names like turned to podcasting only because they had nothing else to do, it felt to a lot of people like it was a money grab, like you're saying. But also to your point, they're just creators and creators create and if there's a yeah. new avenue that opens up then that's just another place to display their creativity so yeah you know i mean you've got to go where the industries take you like streaming yeah i mean if if it's there that that's how, what you got to do i see what the problem would be like like i equate it to famous people like stunt casting in for voice work 100% or big names like TV stars doing, you know, ads for BMW. And, you know, like that's frustrating to me. And it especially was when I was first starting and wasn't getting any work. And so it's like, why should they get the jobs? They do this already over here. Stay in your lane. Yeah. But I would be lying if I said that I spent a lot of time thinking about what other people are doing in these various mediums. Of course. So it makes sense to me that anybody would be like, here's this pie. How do I insert myself into that? Sure. Of course, you don't think about that because you're too busy thinking of being creative. Yeah, maybe. But as I get older, I think less about everything. <laughs> nice. This American Life, like I said, is currently on a bit of a hiatus. Mm. Is it no blame, but does it have anything to do with Aristotle? being on Saturday Night Live? Is it a scheduling thing? Well, I mean, you know, there's scheduling issues with that, but 
<laughs> or is it because you just got bored like you do? <laughs> no, it's definitely not because of that. No, it's just, you know, it, podcasting is different. There's not hard and fast deadlines with things. And, uh, you know, and everybody's back to work, right? Because COVID's over and everybody's back to work. And yeah. So, you know, it's just a a matter of getting all the ducks aligned. And yeah, I I would say there's no one reason for any of it. Cool. Let me ask you this, Andy Harris. Yes. Since that podcast is on hiatus. And so is that other one, that other one, that other one, and that other one. Are you about to start another podcast? Have you already started another podcast? You could tell the truth. I mean, I'm I'm working on something right now that I can't really talk. Is it sponsored by Cheese It, and that's why you can't talk about it? <laughs> yeah, I, oh man, I wish <laughs> I gotta dip into that uh, sweet Cheese It, sweet sweet Cheese It money. <laughs> yeah, I've got some stuff in the hopper, but I, I, unfortunately, I can't really get specific about it. Sure, nothing right this minute with myself specifically, but I'm always on the lookout to revive old stuff or uh, everything's kind of like time permitting you know it's, it's been a busy couple of years and i'm kind of picking my time when to readdress stuff maybe you can just enjoy being married for a little bit because that's all new right that's true that's true i will take that into consideration yes <laughs> i just want to point out that you said you do have some things in the hopper that you're working on but none of them specifically involving you, which made me laugh. I mean, I'm working on some things, but it doesn't involve me. I don't have any solid plans of like a show that's like only featuring myself. Get me to call Will Ferrell and see if we can get whatever this new thing is on his network. I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. He's in the other room. I can just shout. (laughs) Tell him I said hello. (laughs) We go way back. I think he's I think he's really going to make something of himself. Yeah, I hope that kid lands on his feet. Yeah. Andy, this is going to sound like a weird question because I invited you to this party. Yeah. Is there anything we didn't talk about or I didn't ask you that you wanted to talk about today? Did, did I miss anything? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I wish that I could tell you more about other stuff that I'm working on, but I mean, I, I'm sure that'll come up eventually. Sure, sure, sure. I don't want to get in trouble. (laughs) Nobody wants to get anybody in trouble. Tell everybody where they can find Andy Harris on social media. At the Andy Harris on Twitter, at the Andy Harris on Instagram. But I don't really use that as much as I should for self-promotion. I mean, it's just kind of pictures of my food. (laughs) (laughs) I think all of them are at the Andy Harris. I did start a TikTok account, but I haven't really put anything on there. And I honestly can't remember what it what it is. What drew you to improv? Uh, well, to be honest, it was to be uh, quicker on my feet with doing stuff for radio at the time. And uh, I kind of wanted to exercise that muscle of, of being on stage live because I wanted to be able to, like, in the booth, come up with stuff quickly and kind of learn the tools I would need to be able to kind of churn stuff out quickly as opposed to like really thinking i'm always just all about putting stuff out i don't really like to think too much (laughs) and that was it and then i started taking the classes and i the rush of being on stage and it was really fascinating like the science of comedy and the science of improv was really interesting to me and i just stuck with it did you get what you wanted to out of it did it help you be quicker on your feet for those reasons yes definitely do you recommend it 
Oh, yeah. Yes. Even for people who are not planning on being in a sketch. Absolutely. Yeah. I would recommend improv to anybody, always. You know, most people have stage fright, you know, and most people have dread speaking in front of crowds. And um, and if nothing else, it helps with that because you're up there on stage with the six, seven other people who feel the same way. And it's kind of like you're up there without a net and you're uh, just kind of messing around for 20, 30 minutes. And I think it's good for anybody to do that. And it really did teach me a lot. There's no way that we, that Ari and I would have been able to do this American laugh without our improv training and knowing how to create a scene and just the logistics of a comedy scene without improv, I wouldn't be able to do anything. It would just be a 45 minute long podcast of us just trying to be funny and try to crack jokes. I mean, there is really a blueprint for an improv show that if you follow it usually ends up being very satisfying for the listener, in my opinion. That's a great answer. No, good. Andy Harris, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day and your hectic cheesy field schedule to hang out and let us get to know you a little bit on Fascination Street, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah, of course. My pleasure. I had a blast. Thank you so much, Andy. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, of course. All right, thanks. All right, bye. All right, bye. Opening music is the song Magnolia from the 2001 album Intransigence, used with permission from Douglas Miles Clark. Closing music is from the song Say My Name off the 2021 album Underdog Anthems, used with permission from Jax Hollow. If you like the show, tell a friend. Subscribe and rate and review the show on iTunes and wherever else you download podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel. All the episodes are available there as well. Check me out on Vero at Fascination Street Pod and TikTok at Fascination Street Pod. And again, thanks for listening. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.